BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Brady McC- Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance and repair, Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Today's guest is carrying on a family tradition long rooted in NASCAR. He's the grandson of famed NASCAR owner and, and renowned engine builder Crawford Clements. His uncle Lewis Clements was a championship crew chief. Clements Automotive is recognized as a leader in racing and performance engine building. He competes full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving the number 51 Chevrolet Camaro for Jeremy Clements Racing. In the Xfinity Series, Mike, 415 races over 17 years, two wins and 37 top 10s. In 2022, what a year. He scored his second career win at the Daytona Night Race, earning a playoff spot. Or did he? 
and there's a story forthcoming. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Jeremy Clements. Jeremy, say hi to Mike Wallace. Hey, Mike. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Well, we're we're really happy to have you on the show, and I'm doing great. Jeff's doing well, and man, how you been? What's uh what's been happening lately? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, we're in the off season now, probably uh, two or three weeks out. Just obviously Thanksgiving got done, so uh, we're full steam ahead at the shop, trying to get uh, our Camaros ready for next year. And uh, we know that that Daytona will be here sooner than later. And it'll sneak up on you pretty quickly. So we got to be ready, and we're working hard to, to be as ready as we can. Well, that's wonderful. We're going to talk about, you know, 2023 in a little while. But I want to date back, as uh, as Jeff always says, there's million pe- millions of people. The whole world is the, listening. The whole, the whole world is listening. Yes. Okay. And, uh, Jeremy, I'm going to let you tell the story. I'm going to ask a couple questions. And the story is, how did you ever get involved in motorsports? What was your earliest remembrance the when you were a little kid little baby whatever it might be what's the first time you remember and let's start there yeah i mean i grew up in a racing family my my grandfather crawford which you guys mentioned uh he got our family started and uh, him and his brother lewis they were pioneers of the sport worked with uh greats like aj foy buck baker to name a couple and they were very success- successful rex white as well they won the championship in 1960 with Rex White. My uh, grandfather won uh, in 1964 with AJ Ford at Daytona. So numerous wins. And growing up, I mean, I was in the shop with my grandfather, just probably in his way. I remember working. He'd have like a carburetor table, and I was always messing with carburetors. Had no idea what I was doing, but I was working on them, doing something. And yeah, I mean, I'd roll around on the creeper. Uh, I mean, since I was a baby at the shop, so I just loved racing. Uh, I loved uh, everything they did, and I, I knew very early on that I wanted to, dr- to drive. And so I had a uh, my brother had a, a yard cart, and we would uh, race them around in our our parents' yard and tear up the grass. And I'd be thinking, you know, I didn't Daytona 500 out there, so. Uh, and, and then I started racing when I was seven. So it was just, man, it was just in my blood from very early on. So so that first race at seven. And first of all, congratulations on your family history. I, I didn't know that. You know, as we always say, Jeff, on this show, you learn something every time you talk to somebody. I've uh, that That's way cool. My informative intros. Yeah. That's what I mean, it is. It's way, <laughs> way, way cool. So You did, you did your research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. God bless the internet. That's, what I said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 fun to bring those things out because you know, as I've mentioned in, in numerous shows, it's everybody knows who you are today, but they don't know who, how, what, and. I'm listening. You talk about your grandfather working with AJ Foyt. That that's, that's amazing. Cool, right? You know, I mean, so let's get back to that seven-year-old little boy that had a, his first race how did that even come about i know you were terrorizing the yard cart and tearing up and run the 500 in the backyard but racing's <laughs> yeah. a little bit different deal you know that's for sure mike i mean uh so it was christmas and i was seven and uh i was six at, actually at that time but i turned seven in january so i got this uh racing go-kart uh from from santa claus and that's so Santa Claus. He is a it. cool dude, isn't he? I love him. <laughs> He's, he always knows what what you want the most. <laughs> and that's 
that's definitely the the prize uh, possession that I look back and I was like, wow, that was a big surprise. I came down the stairs and there was a go kart, an actual racing go kart that I've always wanted. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. So my uh, grandfather Crawford, he started taking Jason, my brother and I, to uh, Buck Creek Speedway in Cheston, South Carolina, uh, a dirt track, and and that's how I started racing and. I'd have to uh, go every other week when my brother was was home because he would go to his mom's uh, every other week. So we, I had to wait, and that would kill me because I wanted to race every week. So uh, my grandfather's the one that took us and took care of our go-karts. And, uh, man, I love racing, but I took it hard. If I didn't win, I'd, I was pitching a fit. I was a little – I was probably a – I, I don't know how, what's the best word to describe it. I, I didn't take losing well at all. <laughs> so uh, they they in in today's point. Uh, no, I was going to say something else. So they call it a POA system, but that stands for something else. What you probably were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was not the best. To, I was a, I was not the best to be around if I lost. I'm going to tell you that. And uh, I remember you know being very upset. And, and throwing things or crying or whatever, like like a big baby. So, well, I still do that. Uh, you should see me on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't blame you there. The golf can be very frustrating, but so, man, so, I just, I just, I did. If I didn't win, I was so mad. So I remember that as clear as anything. But uh, yeah, it was just I, I owe it all to my grandfather. He's the one that started taking us and and racing and. Uh, without him doing all that, I don't know where I'd be. Since it sounds like you got such a good memory of your early days in racing, when that first race that that you got there and they got you all suited up and you got in a go kart, I mean, did you were you just naturally good at it, or did you run over people and everything else to start with, or <laughs> you know what, what was the first few races? I mean, we know you're you're a winner and were a winner and won to win, but uh, you know everybody's got to start somewhere. So what do you, do you what do you remember about those? first races if you remember anything about them actually <laughs> i remember i remember going to buck creek and and it was uh it was very intimidating at first because they had like an open practice where this is the weird like any cart could go out there and i'm like i've never even i'm thinking i've never even been here i'm gonna go out there with like these way faster carts and people that know what they're doing and i remember that was intimidating so i didn't really like that part of it but then uh yeah, I, I was racing like, you know, I was seven years old, so I'm racing beginner's class or rookie car or whatever it's called. So uh, purple play. I remember it was like purple, gold, and blue or something or the other order. I don't know. And uh, so, so that was that was the way I got started. But I was racing purple play, uh, rookie class. And, yeah, it took me a little while to get going. And then, and then once we got going, we started winning a lot. Well, that was good. Who, so who went to the racetrack with you? Who who worked on your car? Or did, you know, at seven years old, was it a, a big playground? Or were you, since you'd been around the, the shop a lot, did you work on your car or stay there while they were working on it? Or did you run around and hang out with your buddies? Well, yeah, in the shop, um, Crawford had uh, had our go-kart set up here. And, it's in, and this is a fun fact for you. It's the same shop that we're still in to this day with NASCAR Xfinity cars. <laughs> Uh, same shop at all that, and he had cool. he i know that's a fun fact but he he built this cube van and the cube van had in the back room for two go-karts one would sit up and the other one would sit under it. and then in the front he had a little tv and a vcr and so i would dibble dab, i would dibble dabble 
Is that even a word? Yep, it's actually, <laughs> actually two words. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that. And I'm like, I don't know if that that makes sense. Yep, at all as Jeff not. says, it's two words: <laughs> dibble and dabble. We're gonna go with it. <laughs> so I would uh, just screw around the shop, doing whatever. I don't know if I helped him at all, really. I I, I was just a little kid, probably in his way, but he loved me uh, to to death. I know that, so he probably didn't mind, but. So going to the go-kart track to get me pumped up each and every race, I'd watch Days of Thunder in the cube band headed to the go-kart track. <laughs> it was tradition. And if I didn't watch it, we had a bad day. So I remember doing that. Days of Thunder is still my favorite movie to this day, and I would watch it over and over. And just uh, I'd love it, man. So uh, we, we just had – I had fun. I, I would roll around in little chairs and terrorize my grandfather, whoever else was there. But – um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. And then unfortunately he passed away in 1996, uh, of lung cancer. And, uh, that, that ended that. And we had to start, I had to start over. So take us to the start over point. I mean, losing grandpa is a hard thing to do. And plus he was, he was the one making your race and go at that time. So where did, where did it go once he wasn't around you any longer? Yeah, I was 11, 12 years old, I think. And he passed away. It was de- devastating to our family for sure. And he was the one that was keeping all, every, all that going. So that ended that. And so, uh, my, my dad, Tony, he didn't have any interest at all in go-kart racing. So he was like, we're, we're not going to do this. And well, I was like, what am I going to do? So I, I got my mom to take me to the go-kart to, to Buck Creek. And I, I would just go and be with my friends. And then I finally found a you know, a few rides here and there. I finally found a guy that needed a full-time driver, I guess. And, uh, his name was Jerry Workman. And he, he started taking my friend Chase and I all around to, uh, to Georgia, Florida. We raced all around the Southeast, uh, probably for a couple of years till I turned 13. And, uh, so he was a blessing for sure. And, and then, uh, when I turned 13, I remember telling my dad, can we get a race car? So we finally, finally talked him into getting a race car, and uh, that's that's where we started racing back out of the shop here again. And I went and bought a, a used uh, dirt four cylinder race car uh, when I was thirteen, and that's that's what I was my first race car. Jeff, what do you think? The kid was eleven years old and had a, a ride, right? You know, for a, a, a couple a, a years. Full time driver. Full time driver at age eleven. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's that's almost impressive. He made me feel really old though when he says he he watched Days of Thunder when he was seven to get motivated. <laughs> right. I was like thirty five when Days of Thunder come out. You know? <laughs> Did you like the movie, Mike? What oh, you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's uh, you know it's it's motivational. That's for sure. And it was probably the best uh, little race movie going on at the time. I think you got to make uh, race movies really dramatic because otherwise they could. Uh, be like some of the races we run boring, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, very true. It's fame. What is that? The show's oh, well, Top Gun come back. I Days Tom of Thunder Cruise. was released yep. in June of 1990, by the way. 1990. That's mm-hmm. the year I won the Winston Racing Series Championship and got my start to come to 
the Carolinas the next year, and Jeremy Clements wow. is listening to watching Everest it at seven years old. Racing history. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That is too cool. Yeah. So in these last couple of minutes, this segment. So the next step is you got your dad Tony to to finally agree. He didn't like go karts, but he 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 agreed some type of race car. So what? I know it was a dirt car. You said. And uh, yeah, another thing I didn't know about you—I never knew you raced dirt. I thought you were just a full-time asphalt racer. So, w- what was that car, and where was that at? Yeah, so this was a—I uh, used a four-cylinder dirt car, a Ford Mustang that we found. I remember it was two thousand dollars, and man, I mean, it, you'd have thought it. it I know where you get a deal on one. (laughs) Jeff Jeff had to laugh. I looked at him and made a a face gesture when you said Mustang. He left this show last week. Last Monday. He's got this really cool Mustang, and he got rear-ended down here on 77 so hard that they rolled him into the the toll lane. The express lane. Yeah. Oh, no. I guess you're okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I was was a little little sore for a few days, but... uh, but no, I'm okay. But but the Mustang is Dang, is no started. no the, longer. The Mustang might be a street stock car somewhere in the near future. <laughs> oh, it looks more like so a Pinto now. <laughs> yeah, smashed into Dang. the back. Yeah. So you know, I just that 77 traffic can be brutal. It's horrible. Yeah. So I kind of screwed up the end of this, Jeff. So why don't you take us to break, and we'll come back, and we'll pick up at the street stock car. <laughs> Let's do that. And we're talking to driver of the number 51 Chevrolet Camaro in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Jeremy Clements on the line. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Xfinity Series driver Jeremy Clements is taking us back, back in time, back in the day. Before that, Days of Thunder. Before At the Days of Thunder. <laughs> Four-cylinder Mustang on a dirt track. Pick it up from there, there Jeremy. Go. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so we would uh, we finally started racing a, a, an actual race car that you had to shift. This is my first time driving a you know, stick, so obviously, I mean, I'm 13. I don't even have a license yet, guys, and I'm racing a, a race car on a half-mile dirt track that's probably going 100 miles an hour at least. I don't have a clue what they went, but that's pretty cool. Uh, man, man, right? It was I mean, it, I, it was fun as hell. It is kind of funny thinking about it now. His dad, Tony, let him race. He's 13 and a half mile, run 100 mile an hour. It's like, okay, I'll shut this kid up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll come back exactly. scared. He'll come, come back, back scared, scared and won't want to do this stuff anymore. <laughs> but you yeah, proved wrong. You that backfired. Yeah. <laughs> that, it did. We And, you know, like the first, uh, we'd go, and, and that was another, like, okay, we gotta, we're got we in a race car now on a half mile. This is, this is intimidating, too, when you get there and, there's a lot of those cars there. Um, it was called stock. The class was called stock four and man, there's a ton of those cars, a lot of good, uh, drivers in that, whatever deal was going on. And, and we started racing and I remember like the first few races out, I ended up flipping and like end over end and, uh, it just knocked the roof in. Luckily and we, uh, yeah, we kept going, <laughs> flipped it back over and kept going. That's an Earnhardt move so that, from Talladega, right? A little midget racing there. They roll them over and keep digging. I know. Yeah. And, and uh, so the first year they had they had the World Four Center Nationals. They had 
this every year and it was like two grand to win to win the stock four class and uh i remember by that point we started winning and we were we were pretty we were one of the top dogs for sure and then uh we ended up losing that race but then on that was in 99 uh from then on 2000 2001 we went and won them all and they had the we went up the next year ran up modified four two and that class paid twelve thousand to win uh for that yeah and then and then the following year in 2001 they had one at cherokee speedway and they had one at thunder valley speedway in longdale north carolina the back to back and one paid sixteen thousand one paid twelve thousand within six days of each other and we won them both oh wow so that was a nice yeah so that was a nice Kid, kid making some money back in the so, day. So, all right, you're 13 and you're making, you know, 16 grand or something. Do you get to keep the money? Or does that go back into the racing Hell fund? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> What's a 13-year-old need to have much money, anyway? that money Same <laughs> thing that happens to a 35-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, exactly. Give it, give give it, it back. Right back and you get, and you get pennies back. But, yeah. uh my guys, my dad is tight. I mean, this dude still has as much money from third grade. So, I mean, he, he's just that way. I mean, he's he's he was born to. He's just tight. But uh, let's see. Yeah. So 2001, we won a bunch, guys. We went through hell with different uh, other drivers and and getting protested and uh, people, you know, just getting mad. We're beating their ass because we're I'm you know 14 and then 15 years old. And uh, they didn't like that at all. So a lot of guys were just not happy with us. So uh, we won a bunch. I mean, it was like they would have uh, bounties put on us. like, And we had to start in the back because we won three in a row. And <laughs> just different things like that. I mean, we won a bunch. So Jeremy, it was so much fun to do that. Jeremy, you're in an elite class there, just to let you know. And I'm going to share the second show we ever did was with mark martin and mark and my brother rusty and we all grew up back in missouri arkansas together and mark told us about the story when he was 14 years old how he used to intimidate all the old drivers <laughs> and the guy was going to come around he knew damn well sure he was going to wreck him the old man was going to wreck him so he just drove the old guy into the telephone pole <laughs> he, he says I, oh, wow. he says i wasn't going to fight with him because i outrun him every week he says i knew what he was going to do to me so i just i ko'd him so i know Listening to Mark's story, I know what you had to deal with as a youngster. It's the old do unto others before, before they, they do unto you. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, guys. I, but the problem was, like, I didn't want to race like that. I didn't want to. I, I, I mean, Mike, me and you raced. We raced a bunch. Yes, sir. We, we had a lot of battles because we're in similar equipment. And so we always were stuck around each other. But I'll let you answer this, but I always, I mean, I tried for the most part to race clean. <laughs> Jeff, let me, and I love that you brought that up, Jeremy. I was going to wait till later in the show, but <laughs> so J- Jeremy made, just made the comment. We were in similar equipment when in my Xfinity racing days. Right. And I remember one day, I, I don't know, it was Bristol or somewhere like that. I got out after the race and we race each other hard, man. I mean, we were, we, we were damn battling for 20th. I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh yeah, well, for sure. And uh, I remember getting out, I was looking at him. Off if you... <laughs> oh yeah, I know you. Well, you were. The deal was, I was driving for Johnny Davis. Jeremy's driving for his his family car, his car, Jeremy mm-hmm. Clemens Racing. And we were about to say, I think we had the same motors. His dad built us motors. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, one of us had to beat each other. 
right. subconsciously. I don't think it was ever meant like, I'm going to beat Jeremy Clements or Jeremy, I'm going to beat Mike Wallace. It's just like we we ended up there every week together just racing our ass off. And I remember getting out of the car and go, seriously, why the, you know, do we have to race each other so damn hard for 20? I don't know. Why the hell are you racing me that hard? I said, I don't have a good answer, man. I really don't. I said, let's be a little easier on each other from here on out. I <laughs> uh, know, exactly. Yeah. It was funny, Mike. I mean, we raced each other. I mean, you just think, like, we raced, like you said, for 20. It's, it, it, it's just funny. We had to beat each other. But yeah. that's just the way it goes. I mean, you're always – and it's just like that now. You're always stuck with somebody. Like, it always happens. It don't matter what part of the career you're in. You're just always going to get stuck with another guy that you have to race your ass off, to, and you want to beat him. I didn't ever want to wreck you, Mike. I just wanted to beat you. <laughs> did you though? Did you? Did he wreck you, Mike? I, no, I don't. I don't think we did. We just raced you. If I, I if we did, so. I don't remember it. Gotcha. Because what would always? I know. I don't. If you did wreck anybody, and I can only say I ever wrecked one person in my NASCAR career on purpose, and I felt horrible about it after it. I really did. It was just. But what always happens with the guy you have the run in with the week before? Mm-hmm. If you, I guarantee you every time it happens, you qualify next to each other and you got to ride around the pickup <laughs> yep. truck the next week together. Uh, oh, yeah. And you got to look no at each doubt. other and go, hey, man, let's uh, d- d- turn your head and look the other way. Then it's finally like, hey, man, <laughs> let's just leave all that crap go. And it's like, yeah, well, well you wrecked <laughs> my shit, you know? <laughs> Come on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, let it, me. It, it, let me get back on base. We'll catch that up in a second. We got to go back to where you were. Uh, the people were hating you, or the older drivers were because you and your dad were. You guys are winning everything. Winning everything. Tell, you know. So yeah. Tell, so I mean, we. Well, that's why I got started on that. Like, I didn't want to. I didn't ever. People would just try to wreck me, and I didn't. I didn't race like that. I, I tried to race clean, respectful. I like to watch Mark Martin, and I grew up. I, I, I've watched racing since I was a young kid, so I really studied racing, and I always remember mo- watching Mark Martin and how everybody respected him, and he raced so so hard and clean, and I, that's the way I wanted to drive, you know. So I took a lot from Mark and tried to apply it to to my even early dirt track days, but some of these guys just don't care. They didn't have respect. They just wanted to wreck you. They didn't care about their equipment, and hell, I had to work on my car. I had to wash it, uh, change the rear end to, you know, go to different tracks because you had to change the whole rear end to do the gear for the other track. So, shoot, we'd race Thunder Valley Friday night. And then next next day, Saturday night, we'd race Cherokee. So you'd have to come. We'd wa- I'd wash the cars, change the rear end. You know, I had to work on these things. I don't want to beat them all to hell. I don't have time to fix them. I just want to try to get them race ready each time. But anyway... We won a bunch, and it was great. And then at the end of uh, 2001, uh, we had <clears throat> somebody literally – we won the race at Cherokee. It was the last race of the year. And come back to the shop, and the, the people that bought all our cars, we had we had two or three cars. We had two cars, actually. And all the parts, they literally followed us back from the racetrack. And they loaded everything up, the cars, the everything we had for these four-cylinder cars. And we sold it all. And uh, the next year, 2002, we m- moved up to uh, a dirt super late model. So uh, I remember that. That was the next challenge. Boy, that was a big challenge right there. That was a big step, wasn't it? 
that was a huge step because we went from uh, racing four four cylinders to obviously eight cylinders with, you know, these things are making 750 horsepower at least. Uh, these days they make right at 900, so it's it's incredible. But uh, yeah, I remember driving. I went. We went to a test session. You know, say February when the track opened up and. Uh, this dirt super late model, man, this thing is obviously super fast. Uh, throttle response is incredible. The steering, I remember the steering being so fast, and I had a little steering wheel, and that made it even worse. So I remember like, oh, man, this thing turns <laughs> way more easier than that uh, four-cylinder car did. That four-cylinder car was like driving a school bus. You had to, you know, it didn't have a quick a quickener at all. Like, you had to turn it a lot, and you'd be turning it back right. You'd be sawing the wheel like you see them in Days of Thunder. Uh, literally looked like a damn school bus. So uh, took me a little while to get uh, used to that, to that dirt super late model. I remember getting a bigger wheel that helped. And then uh, the seventh race out, we we were able to win, uh, and we beat guys like Mike Duvall, Ricky Weeks, Jeff Cook. These guys were racing week in and week out at Cherokee. Those were here win on a weekly show. Those were hero names, Jeff Kent. That right? just met. yeah, yeah. Cherokee was... Speedway. Now is that a dirt track? So yeah. it's, it's yeah. right. And yeah. it's right down the road in, in Gaffney. Or uh, yeah. right, Gaffney. Gaffney, South yep. Carolina. Yep. Yep. Man, there's some fame. Yeah. I grew up in the Midwest dirt racing, Jeremy, and I don't think you and I ever talked dirt racing back when we knew you know, raced against each other. No, but, we didn't. But uh the Gaffney and those places in the, the south here, there were there were some heroes, man. They 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 were fast. Oh man, for sure. Yeah. So you I, I you, grew up going to watch and you know scott bloomquist and ronnie johnson and just just guys that you you grew up idolizing now you're racing against them and uh and then again they don't like getting beat by uh you know a, 15, a 16 year old at that time <laughs> no you know and throw names back the other direction i was racing against billy moyer and jeff purvis in the midwest and oh yeah you know, gotcha so, yeah okay so you won on your seventh race out which is incredible uh Jeff, you know through your vast racing career, yeah, right. legend car. Jeff is a legend car superstar. Yeah. He he's very fast in them, but uh, you know the, those cars are violent. A dirt car right. of today's caliper, what Jeremy was driving, they're violent to drive because everything they're so fast. They accelerate so fast. Rear ends move around them. Steering so fast. So you're good sliding job. Sliding through the turn. Yeah, right? I mean you're. Yeah. <laughs> I went back. I told you I went back to Missouri this year and drove it. A dirt car. Yeah. And everybody says, well, how is it? I said, i got to figure out how to slow myself down, man. I'm I'm chasing the steering wheel and the throttle, and it's up under the ass end. It's doing all this stuff. And I says, i just got to figure out how to make myself react 50% speed, and I'll be perfect. But uh, I'm, Oh, I'm, yeah. It, it's got a totally different feel to it. For yeah. Sure. So after that seventh win, how, how long did you keep dirt racing? Oh, man. I mean, I, I uh, this was 2002. And yes, I was six sixteen, and uh, I won the first one, and then the next one we won it, and then from there my memory is a little scattered, but I know we won a we won a bunch again. So we we started traveling and raced in Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, just everywhere, and racing different series. Uh, won some good races, beat some, raced with all the. The, the icons of dirt late model racing, uh, like you said, Moyer and Bloomquist, all those guys, and man, it was cool to go door to door against those guys. Uh, it was it was amazing, really. So um, I remember some of my favorite tracks are like Bulls Gap in Tennessee, that's near Bristol, 
Crossville, Tennessee. That's uh, that was a big. Both those are uh, really banked dirt tracks. That's what I like the most. Uh, but man, we just we just raced all over. And then um, you talk about bulls gap. I just read. Uh, tell me if I'm right. Maybe you don't even know this. I just read a couple days ago where they're going to have a fifty thousand and hundred thousand a win race next year at Bulls Gap for that new XR series, that dirt race series. That's so, right. So you might want to pull that dirt car back out. Mm. That could be fun. I know. I saw that. Hundred grand. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I seen that. I, I've been thinking about a dirt car, and I thought, man, I need to get Tony Clements to partner with a motor farmer for that baby. <laughs> so hey, let, good let, luck, Mike. I mean, Daddy, the list here is is uh, is over a hundred long for for brand new engines. It's insane. Wow. Let, let's come back and talk about your career, but I'd like to talk about the, the engine business there a little bit along the way. We're talking to Jeremy Clements. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media welcome back to the speed sport podcast studios you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace my name is jeff kent we're brought to you today by brady mechanical services hvac install maintenance and repair brady mechanical service at gmail.com xfinity series driver jeremy clements on the line and once again here's mike wallace well, Jeremy, by now you can tell I'm not very organized in my interviewing skills. I kind of jump all around, you know. I'm a, I'm going forward, backwards, but uh, this show is supposed to be all about you. So let's get back to you're winning all those dirt races and everything's going well. After the, uh, we'll call it the late model dirt career, what's the next path in Jeremy's racing career? Well, uh, let's see. We were at uh, 2003, 2004. Um, 2002, actually. I'm so sorry. I skipped. So 2002, uh, we came up with Kenny Applin. He was running uh, Kirk Shelverdine in the Arkham Menard series now, and we were building his engines. So something happened with them. They had fallen out, and Kenny was like, hey, uh, we should try putting you in the car. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've never driven asphalt, so why not? Uh, here we go. So we uh, we went to Talladega. <laughs> well, I, I would jump. Where, where else would you start your career, right? Talladega. Good yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love exactly. it. Exactly. That's love what I'm it. thinking. Why yeah. not? So we went to uh, Talladega 2002, and we qualified sixth and finished 15th. And uh, it was it was a easy transition, honestly. I thought the cars drove a lot easier than what I was used to driving, and so and it was fun. And Kenny had a uh, he had competitive cars, and we had our engines in them, and so it was a good partnership to get me going and to keep him going. And uh, uh, we actually had a lug nut get between a wheel, and or else we'd have finished way better in fifteenth. Uh, so we had a good fast car, and it was fun. And I remember the only thing that really it was a hot day. It was three hundred mile race too. I wasn't used to that, and that's a long race in a Harker car too. I mean, um, so I remember I had to get IV an IV after the race. Uh, got overheated. Probably didn't, I don't even remember. We probably didn't have anything cooling wise in that car at all either. You know, I mean, we were just just throwing it together and going. And uh, so I remember just having to get used to the heat and all that was definitely different. But driving-wise, I thought, hey, this is fun. It's what I, I mean, it's, I always wanted to be in NASCAR, so this is the route I needed to go. But um, I was like, heck, yeah, let's keep going. So we went to Charlotte in the fall, and we were practicing. We were 
very fast, but we didn't get to qualify uh, because, unfortunately, um, somebody got killed during practice coming off turn four. So they canceled qualifying, and we didn't have any points. So we didn't even get to we didn't get to try for the race, and uh, that that was obviously unfortunate. And uh, we had to wait till the next year. So 2003, start back and go to Daytona and Atlanta, uh, finish like sixth at Atlanta. <laughs> I don't remember where we finished at that Daytona race. Um, but, yeah, we started racing. We were racing ARCA and dirt, dirt super late miles at the same time. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you if you had quit dirt. But you were doing them both at the same time. That that was – What was there any big adjustment to you when you got out of that dirt car and went ARCA racing, or did ARCA racing just seem easier? It or, just seemed easier, really, to me. Like I said, the, the dirt cars were hard to drive to me and, and going to these – to these kind of cars it was just i, I don't know I, I thought it was easier i mean yes it's hard but it was just easier to transition to those mm-hmm. i think it'd be harder to go the other way around but um oh i can yeah, guarantee I, mean, hell, we'd re- I can guarantee it is i just went back and did it like i said it's <laughs> that's that, right the babies are wild right now so <laughs> exactly so and then uh we would start we i mean hell we would race uh somewhere in Tennessee, and then we would take we we take the same trailer with the car, the ARCA car in it, and go test at like Kentucky when ARCA used to test all the time, like on a Monday. So, I mean, we were doing both, and it was a lot, man. It was it was a lot to keep up with and manage and do all that. And you know, we were only running probably seven to ten ARCA races a year, maybe in that range, and then we were running dirt, you know, all the other times. So doing it. Doing it all your own like that was very challenging to, like I said, keep it all up, keep it going, make it the best you can be, and, and still win, too. Um, and then, yeah, uh, 2004 came around in, in July, and we had a, we had a not, not a good moment here in, the, in our life. We, had a, we raced the night before at somewhere in Tennessee on a Friday night. I remember Bill Elliott was there. It was a big 5'8" dirt track it was rough as hell a rock knocked uh, a hole in the oil tank so we uh, didn't get to finish the race drove back home you know got back to the shop got back in bed at 6 a.m we're gonna race the following night at uh, 311 near winston-salem north carolina and we we had to get the shop you know at lunchtime fix the car wash it i at this point you know we got a two three hour drive ahead of us and i'm like i don't even want to race tonight because it's like we're behind the car's gonna be half-assed and we're just not prepared so my my dad he's like no we're going to race we're we're going and i'm like so we get into it a little fight and ended up going miss practice straight to qualifying have the wrong gear in the car one of those nights right guys it's just not a good night and then uh in the race uh, we were running bad, 10th to 12th, I think, and that was bad for us in my eyes. Uh, and um, going down the straightaway, the, the drive shaft broke, like, with a few laps to go. Come through the car, and, uh, man, it did a number on my hand and my arm, and uh, we, we I pulled the car over, uh, somehow got out. My, my hand's hanging off. My arm's going a uh, totally different direction than it's supposed to be, and uh, we uh, – 
got that they got me an ambulance and i remember it was the pain was on me and i was screaming and like give me something like this is terrible it hurts so bad and uh they got me to the hospital uh winston salem baptist memorial hospital which that was a blessing because that's a great great hospital full of wonderful people great doctors and uh at first they were like we're gonna have to amputate his hand Hmm. and my dad was like my dad was like well no we're going somewhere else (laughs) and uh thank thank goodness he's like you just need to try like you need to try to save his hand he needs his hand so they they did an eight hour surgery and 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 man it was hell like I, i remember waking up the next day and uh i'm like do i still have a hand where am i i mean i'm like total shock what what just happened and it it was devastating so it was a year of of hell 10 surgeries uh skin graft they sewed my hand to my hip for a skin graft they took tendons from my right foot they took bone bone graft from my hip it was it was terrible it was uh challenging to say the least so um I was 20, 19, 20 years old, and I'm like, all I've ever done is race, and now all that's stopped, and and I'm like devastated because, a, I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to race again because my hand really messed up, and uh, I just I just didn't know what to think. Wow, that uh, that that's quite a setback. Yeah, it you is. I mean? When you think about it, hear the story. I mean, they he kind of didn't want to go to that race. They ended up going. Right. Things weren't going as smooth as wanted, and then you about get your hand ripped off. And I, you know, I th- I remember hearing that story. Believe it or not, I didn't know Jeremy at that time, but knew you know you're in the racing community, and it's like oh, the guy drive chef ripped his arm off basically. But well, let's just jump past all the hard stuff. You you suffered for a year and probably hated life for every bit of that time almost because you weren't racing. Yeah. Then, then the recovery process must have went okay. Uh, you know, eventually it, your hand healed up. Yep. And uh, then where'd it go from there? When did you uh, resume your career, and how did you resume your career? Through through intense uh, physical therapy and everything got got most of the motion back and everything was fixed. And uh, you know, to this day, I mean, this 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 hand is pretty fragile, and uh, I still can't uh, completely flatten out. Uh, three fingers but it, it works and does everything i needed to do so good lord definitely blessed us there and was able to pull through but man it was definitely very challenging and uh a point in my life i hated to be honest but uh anyway going forward it was exactly a year later got back in the uh the dirt super late model and went to test at thunder valley and uh and then once uh we tested we went and raced and then I think my next ARCA race back was at Chicagoland. Uh, the that that year, uh, some point I don't I don't know the exact date in that, but uh, yeah, we just started started everything back again and uh, like it never stopped. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a rough go there, and I and I actually had five races lined up in uh, in with Mac Hill Motorsports uh, in, in, for for NASCAR Xfinity Series. And obviously uh, that didn't happen, and I think Regan Smith ended up getting that that ride. So that derailed some uh, plans of mine for sure. But then we started back racing, and we we started winning again. We and then we finally won an ARCA race uh, in in 2007 at uh, Nashville. So that was uh, 
that was just amazing to win there because the, the week before at Pocono, we were going to win there, coming out of turn three, run out of freaking gas. And hmm. Michael McDowell and Josh Wise passed us and won, and we finished third. And uh, So the, the following week, we went to Nashville and won. And that was just special because it was our first ARCA win. And, you know, we're racing against Brian Clawson in the Ganassi car, Michael McDowell, uh, Ricky Stenhouse, a uh, lot of good teams and drivers in the ARCA series back then. So it's pretty damn special to, to win in our own car with, with you know, three or four people. And uh, it's just cool as hell to do that. So, yeah. uh, so when you pulled into Victory Lane and you dropped that window net at Nashville – and I'm sure you remember. Got you have to remember that moment. I mean, well, what did that feel like? I mean, especially after what you went through health-wise. I mean, just as just what that moment feel like to you? Oh man, all that was so worth it to to go be in victory lane in Nashville and hold up that that guitar that you win. And uh, it, I got chills right now thinking about it, Mike. It was incredible. It was surreal. It was like wow, all this uh, all this hard work and determination paid off and i just thought i can't believe we finally won like like to me it was the biggest win ever because um just just what we're up against what we've been through what we're going through everything and what we just went through the week before pocono where we we had that race one too so it was just badass it was phenomenal probably the biggest win of my career at that point for sure you know it's uh, it's you believe this or don't i i vaguely but I remember you winning that race because I'd never met you. I didn't know who Jeremy Clements was, but I don't know if you remember back in the day, there was a guy by the name of Stan Clements that owned Featherlight Trailers and Larry Clements, who owned Frank Kimmel's cars. So this yep. whole time, I'm thinking you're one of those Clements. I'm thinking, oh, the kid's got, a, <laughs> you know, he's got a, the Featherlight deal. He's got all the shit going on. You know? And here, oh, here I learn it later, you know, that, nope, had nothing to do with that. <laughs> So yeah, you, nothing at all, man. And yeah, well, congrats. I, damn, I didn't even think about Frank Kimmel. By the way, he was the man in 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 Arca, obviously too. And uh, and to beat his ass was amazing too. Uh, we we kid each other all the time. Believe it or not, I raced Frank Kimmel in 1990 for the Winston Racing Series Championship. I raced over wow. Lebanon, Lebanon, Missouri, and he raced in Louisville, Kentucky, and I won the region and. Uh, I just ran into him not too long ago. Yeah, I says, "Yeah, I won that year, but you went on to win nine championships yeah. in the Arca Series." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think you're okay. Frank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna run out of time if we keep talking like this. That's for sure. We got a few minutes left in this segment, but so after you won Kentucky, uh, uh, Nashville. I, well, I'm sorry, I'm I'm talking Kentucky from him. You won at Nashville. What's the next step from there? Do you continue Arca racing, or do you decide to? move on from there how'd that happen yeah you know arca was a great series for us because it, we raced on the same tracks and same type cars as as the xfendi and cup series so you got good experience for sure but the problem was the payout was terrible and we didn't have you know just big huge sponsors on these cars to pay for everything we needed so we needed to step up and race uh we had raced uh in the bush series at that point and, and tried it, and we realized this this pays a lot more money, and at least we could try to sustain this and pay pay our bills. So even if we didn't get a sponsor, so basically we stopped Arca racing um, 08, 09, somewhere in there, and then went 
uh, started racing in the, the Xfinity series now and just dabbling in that, trying to race each year more and more races. And then in 2011, started full-time racing there. And we've been full-time ever since. Jeff Kent, let's take a break, come back, and pick up with the family, the, the Clements family going Xfinity racing. I like your plan. Yeah. Xfinity Series driver Jeremy Clements is joining us. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. A few more laps with Xfinity Series driver Jeremy Clements. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Jeremy, you're used to going fast, so we're going to have to sum up this whole Xfinity career in, in this last segment. So you decide to go Xfinity racing. And I'm assuming you're going to do this as the family. Take it from there. Yeah. So I remember when we stopped ARCA racing, I was really like, man, uh, we tried to race in NASCAR and it was, it was tougher. It was a lot more challenging. We, we had a, a good ARCA team and we were competitive. We're winning races. We're running top five all the time. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to go and race in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and, and be struggling to run 30th because uh, it's tough. I mean, it's tough as hell, guys. I mean, it's so hard. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you're racing against these top teams and, and we're going to buy used cars and used tires half the time and, you know, our engines are in it and just everything is against us, really. But it's tough. So I remember we kind of got into it about that at first. I was like, I don't want to stop our racing, but I see why we need to, because we need to go be able to sustain this and, and keep it going. And we can't in ARCA. So we just stopped running uh, Xfinity full time. We started doing that in 2011 and we've been there ever since, man. And uh, let's say we had a lot of good runs and a lot of good races uh, against a lot of good drivers and teams. And uh, then in 2017, we were finally able to, to pull through and win at Road America and Finally, I mean that was uh, that was an amazing day, and and that trumped ARCA win because it was our first NASCAR win as a team. Uh, pretty much the same people at this point too in this on this NASCAR team. So that was a big feat to win in a road course. I didn't even grow up obviously racing anything road course. It was at Road America where I remember going there in 2011, thinking. This is a four-mile track. I don't even know where the hell to go. Like, I remember going out and practice. I'm like, oh, man, this is like, I don't know. Like, I remember I was, like, going up that hill. You couldn't see where you're going. And, like, I ran off the course. I'm like, this is, oh, my God. I felt just awful because I didn't know what I was doing. So, the win there was, was amazing. It's funny listening to Jeremy say that because I remember the first time I went road racing, and back in the day, they don't do much. They used to tape a map to the dashboard. Is that right? right? Yeah. That you could you could describe to the crew chief. Because you got time to look at that. No, no, it's not that you could come back in and tell them what it was doing where because you oh, got, everything happens so fast you can't keep up with where you're at. He's talking about America. You come up that front straightaway, I swear to God, you think you're in the space shuttle. That baby, you're looking at the sky until you top the crest <laughs> right. of the hill. But And something about you, you turn do, 10 just sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> what a big that win. That's a good way to describe it right there, Mike. Yeah, well, it is, and it's it's all these experiences you have. But, man, I was happy for you guys. That was such a big win there. So you, But at that point, 
Jeremy, I, I was firsthand. I wasn't running competitively at that time, but your program, something caused it to step up. Somehow you guys like were more competitive from that point till now. I mean, what, was there some big change there or just things all finally started to click a little bit? Uh, Mike, I'm not going to lie. I don't really know, but all I know is each year we just try to get better and better. And like I said earlier in this in this show, my dad is really tight. And he, I, I, I get mad at him for being that way, but he has kept me racing my whole life that way too. So I guess Jeremy Clements could have raced uh, and been in out of sport a long time ago. But I've been able to do this because we have been tight. So we've held ourselves back. That's why I'm telling you this. We hold ourselves back a lot, and that's that's through the years uh, we did that so much, running on scuffs, use this, use that, break this, break that, right? And it was just, uh, I guess, as the years go by, we, we, we start finally letting ourselves off the leash more and more. So, and we, we're getting more funding as we've gone, and that's helping us not have to be so frugal and tight and run things to death, so... I guess that's why all that started happening that way. And then, you know, I remember the first time I went to Road America, we, I remember, I think we had a 12 to one box on the damn thing. I remember I was like, man, do you got to turn the wheel this much? I remember going to ask another driver. I'm like, should I be having to turn the wheel so much? I didn't know anything. (laughs) So we just like, we're on an island on our own and we're having it night. There's nobody telling us what to do. You know, we're, we're racing the NASCAR Finney Series full-time, going to all these different tracks, uh, racing in Montreal, uh, all over the place. So we're just, every year, we're just learning and be like, okay, we went to this road course now. Now we know what to do. Now we know what to bring back and just try to make everything better and better as the years go by. But it's just been, it's taken us this long to, to get to where we can be that competitive. I mean, the NASCAR Finney Series is so challenging and competitive full of great teams and drivers so uh finally we're able to get this team where i saw it years ago where it could be and that's where we were when we got that point 2017 mike yeah well you guys have done a great job and just take this as a compliment i mean it's it's hard and i always tell everybody and you can think of yourself and you're still competing so it's really cool on any given saturday you're only one of 40 people in the world in the whole damn world that get to run a NASCAR race, you know, so it's uh, an elite group and your your family performance, team performance. And I want to get to, in just a few minutes, I want to get to Daytona where you won this year, but in the break, in this moment, I want to talk about your, your family business, your dad's business. I don't know the engine business. I mean, Clements is just like world renowned in dirt racing. And I don't know that people put the two of you together, meaning the engine business and the Xfinity driver. Tell us uh, uh, about your dad, Tony, and I think it's his brother or something, cousin, something. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that, because uh, as we were talking in the break, I was joking about needing a dirt motor. And he says, I'll put you on the list. I got 100 in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think about that, folks. 100 motors. And I don't think he was kidding us, from what I understand. So. No, n- no, definitely not. So my dad, Tony Clements, and his brother, Glenn Clements, uh, and, who, and, and their brother, Gary Clements, my uncle, he's passed away now. But uh, Glenn and Tony run, run the engine shop, Clements Racing and Engine. Uh, yeah, like you said, in the dirt world, they are the best you can get, and there are many people that want these engines. 
and they work day and night to build them, man. I mean, they're very passionate about what they do. They, my dad and Glenn literally works uh, nighttime till midnight most nights. I mean, it's crazy the work they put into this place, and uh, they've really built a hell of a program. And I'm I'm very proud of what they've done and accomplished. And uh, those the, the list is over 100 right now, and that's for brand new engines, not including. This is not including people that want their engines rebuilt. So when we walk in the shop, there are engines everywhere. And they have filled this shop. This this shop added on to it full of machines and uh, engines and everything. So uh, it's really cool that what they've done and uh, to see it where it is. And we also build our own engines that race in the in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. But um, really proud of all that and what they do. They employ about 15 to 16, 17 people or something. And... Uh, like I said, work day and night to get all this done. Jeremy, a lot of people that are listening to the show understand and listen to the dirt world also. And I, I'm, I'm totally amazed by your, your father's engine company. And just that people put two and two together, what are some of the, I call them hero names, guys that are winning races every week that run Clements engines? I mean, it's, it's the big guys in the sport. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got Jonathan Davenport. That'd be uh, Superman. Crazy. He won two million bucks this year, Jeff. Nice. Rest in a dirt car. Can you two million dollars? Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it's insane the amount of money that that uh, these dirt races are paying now. I mean, back when I raced, yeah, they they paid dirt always paid good. I mean, like I said, a weekly show at Cherokee paid two grand to win, and then anytime we had a big race, it was five grand to ten grand at least. So. Dirt races have always paid better than asphalt, in my opinion, but uh, the, the money in the dirt now is like, it, it's insane. It's crazy to me uh, to think that. But the dirt racing deal is so competitive, too, and you got to have the best of the best. And you can't just bring a car that, you know, was built five years ago and race it. I mean, you got to have everything new and up to date. Uh, so it's it's extremely competitive. And I would love to, to race dirt like Larson and those guys do. The problem is, I, I got to find somebody that that's good in the sport that races full time, and I could just like give them a motor if I could somehow get one from the shop, and and just show up when I want to show up and race. But uh, man, to do it on your own and race NASCAR Xfinity Series, it's definitely too much to do on your own. Okay, well, uh, congratulations to to Clemens Racing Engines because they win races everywhere. But uh, let's get back and finish this up with Jeremy Clements winning Daytona this year. Tell us about that, and then I've got some questions to follow up with. Well, uh, yeah, we won Daytona, which was uh, – Hell, I, yeah. I, I, I texted you after that, man. I was like, <laughs> I was so excited for you. <laughs> you did, and that, and that really meant a lot to me, so thank you for that. And I still had that text when you texted me about coming on your show, so that was uh, that was really cool to look back and see that you texted me. And like I said, I appreciate that. But you've won at Daytona, so you know how uh, an amazing feeling it is. And – Honestly, I've just had no luck on these speedways for the most part. You know, I finished, I think my best finish is fourth. Or it was fourth at Talladega, and then I think eighth at Daytona one time. So I, besides that, I, you know, I've been I've been wrecked and things broke and just, just no luck. So I, going into this race, uh, it, we had a rain-delayed start, and uh, I remember it was like 10.30 before this race took off. I remember Honestly, I remember being tired before the race even took off. I'm like, good Lord, it's late. I'm tired. So I remember getting in the car. It was like 1045. We took the green flag, and uh, we started uh, ninth because the qualifying got canceled, and we 
that's where we lined up or whatever for points and all that. But uh, anyway, yeah, just kind of played it, played it safe. I'd go, I'd, I'd, I'd get out of the pack. And then uh, the good Lord definitely had his hand over me. I think that race was meant to be for us because uh, just the way everything happened, like I would just have a feeling. I'd be like, I'm backing out. I remember my spotter, uh, Chris Monet, he got pissed off at me because uh, it was like a few laps to go. And I'm like, I'm bailing out, man. They're about to crash. And he was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, we need to go. It's like, you know, <laughs> seven laps to go. I'm like, no, they're about to crash. <laughs> and, and, and they did. And then we restarted. And, and they crashed a big crash again. So we went from like 20th to, to literally fourth or fifth. And I'm thinking, Oh, it's a big, good, good night for us. Top five. We'll just, we'll take this to move on. Then anyway, things started happening. Um, we, we pushed, we were pushing the 16 Almendinger. He, he got in the nine and wrecked him. And then, uh, then the 21 Austin Hill had a problem on the restart. And then we lined up on the front row and took off the last restart and held the guys off man and that was uh that was it we we took the damn check and we won that thing and i was like holy crap just one day told well, not only did you came out of nowhere not only did you win the race you earned a playoff spot but then nascar says wait a minute not so fast yeah so so you yeah, that, you, that, you that was you, not good <laughs> you, you, well <laughs> the the world admires you guys because you finally somebody beat NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> so you won yeah. Daytona, Jeff. They NASCAR. The spot, they got man. a playoff spot, which was huge. That little team from down there towards Spartanburg, man. Sparkle City. Sparkle City <laughs> got got into playoffs, which is big. The NASCAR, Jeremy, stop me if I'm saying this wrong. Somehow or another, they decide to tell you your motor's illegal that you've been running and take the playoff spot away from you. But yeah, the intake uh, the intake was too short, too short by, uh, by uh, uh, fifteen thousandths of an inch or something. Good, I, I don't remember exactly. I think that's what it was. <laughs> it's about four sheets of paper. Four sheets of paper. Now, Jeff, listen to this. You'll love this because we're we're out of time, but we're gonna we've got to get to this completion. Yeah, they appeal it. The Clemens family appeals the fine. Right. Like, normally that means they're going to add the fine to you, more more fine, or you're just, you know, this little team's out of the playoffs and go away. So, Jeremy, pick it up. How did you guys beat them? How did you go go appeal your case? Yeah, so and, we got the call uh, Tuesday following the, the race win, and, you know, we're, we're, on, we're on the top of the mountain. We're, we're celebrating. We're happy. Everybody's happy. We're a hero. Everybody wants to talk to you, interview you. Uh, Tuesday, get that phone call from Wayne Alton. Uh, now we're devastated, and now we're now we're full blown. We were in the in, in the engine shop, and we got that call. And I remember, I mean, my dad was very. I've never, I have never seen him this distraught and and messed up over something. And I said, Tom, we gotta fight it. His name is. I said, Tom, we gotta fight it. They're like we we we're not in the wrong. We gotta fight it. And he, it's like he wasn't comprehending. So I'm like, we're fighting, and I'm gonna I'll do it without you. So we started doing our homework and realized that, you know, our, our intake shouldn't have even been tagged. These winning engines that were there uh, didn't have their intakes. Uh, so there was five of their engines the same day ours got done, and their intakes weren't there. So we felt like we got uh, mistreated, kind of. Uh, maybe I could say that better, but we just didn't get teched the same way as the other competitors, right? So that was our basically our argument. Yes, the intake did not meet specs it was too short which actually doesn't even help you it hurts you 
you wanted the opposite way if you're going to try to even uh, make that better. Um, but anyway, we, we went to battle. We went to the appeal board. We, I remember the night before, Monday night, uh, my dad and I and uh, Mark Setch, the crew chief, were in the office for probably three or four hours till about 8.30 that evening and going over our strategy and our sheet of paper that we had written everything down on and our speech and everything we're going to go to, to bat with. So we put a lot of time and effort into this because this was big, $60,000 points, our reputation, everything was on the line. So we went to battle went to Charlotte the next day and uh this was something I don't want to be a part of again really because it was <laughs> it was not fun so you go in this 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 room and you've got the appeal panel and then you've got NASCAR on on one side and they're they're really like throwing everything at you uh they're all their evidence and everything they've got the intake they're showing them what why it's wrong and anyway we end up long story short uh we end up winning after two and a half hours of debating back and forth and uh, man, it was like we won the race again. So it was incredible to to, to, to beat that and win. So it, it was the, the best feeling ever. That's awesome. So you won Daytona twice. Yeah. <laughs> That's Damn cool. right we did. <laughs> <laughs> they won Daytona on the racetrack and in the tech room. Yeah. The, the one off yeah. the racetrack. But uh, Jeremy, <laughs> nothing but congratulations to you and your family's race team. We could talk for another couple hours, but we don't have the time. And, uh, man, thanks for joining us today. No, man, I think uh, I think people are going to love this this interview, and I really appreciate you having me on the show, Mike. Thank you guys so much. Jeremy Clements, there he goes. It ranks right up there with Days of Thunder, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.